0: all right everyone welcome back after watching blazing with my dude and andrea busby win cheyenne frontier days this year it got us thinking about the story of tito's dam dasher dude who won over six hundred thousand dollars in her career with owner Brittany diaz Brittany and rudy as she is known were a force to be reckoned with in the dakotas and when they set their sights on the nfr they accomplished their goals to the tune of two trips to vegas nine circuit final qualifications and many records along the way from getting Rudy as a weanling through raising her foals now, we got to visit with Brittany as she told her whole story, and we loved it. And to top it off, this past weekend, Brittany won the fizz bomb on another Rudy baby that she raised. Hope you enjoy. This week's episode is brought to you by Farnham, the makers of Weight Builder Equine Weight Supplement. Horses with high caloric demand can be hard to keep weight on if not fed enough to meet their daily requirements. When a horse needs help maintaining weight, incorporating a fat supplement like Weight Builder Equine Weight Supplement into the diet can safely add calories to help maintain optimal body condition. Visit farnam.com. If you haven't already, don't forget to use code moneybarrel 15 with our partners at barrelracing.com to get you a great discount to their site. BarrelRacing.com brings you instruction from the most respected voices in our industry, including world champion Jordan Briggs, maturity champion Andre Coelho, NFR qualifiers Ivy Sabins, Carly Servi, Shane Wimberly, and more. Train smarter, not harder this year. Let BarrelRacing.com help you out. All right, Brittany, you're up. Take it away. This is the Money Barrel. All right. This morning,
1: we're getting the chance to talk to Brittany Diaz, who I've wanted to have on the podcast for a really long time. But when Andrea won Cheyenne on one of Rudy's foals, who we're going to hear the story of Rudy from Brittany, I was like, you know what? I want to I want to hear the story about this mare and you know everything you guys did. So thanks for talking to me this morning.
2: You're welcome, Kayla. Thanks for having me.
1: So how was that I mean we, we touched it on it a little bit but how was watching one a Rudy baby win Cheyenne
2: so it was really funny that day because um we had I'm up here in North Dakota at my parents and we had gone to church that morning and I was like making it a point I was like we have to get home to watch the short go today because Andrea is in it and um you know when, when I saw the draw right away I'm like dang she's last out but it's just been fun for me to watch it kind of be along with the, the journey on the sidelines a little bit to see um, because it's Rudy's first competing foal so we were here at home and when um, my dad actually went up to the field and couldn't watch it with us and we were sitting here watching and when she ran and nailed her first barrel like I I, I did come off the couch I was, standing, was cheering and jumping and then when she crossed the line and won the rodeo I literally was jumping around the living room because it's just super exciting and even though I'm not the run running the one running her had anything to do with her success other than it being my mare um it's just such a cool and fun thing to watch
1: it was so cool I I was the same way when I was watching it when I saw her turn first I was like oh dang she's gonna win this thing <laughs> like, yeah, last on amazing. the ground <laughs> yeah. last on the ground doesn't matter she's she's going to win it
2: oh gosh yeah and and it's funny because like that's You know, Rudy hated Cheyenne, and um, I actually quit taking her there because she hated it. So I didn't want to say anything to Andrea that morning, but I'm like, dang, you know, obviously that horse liked it because she was doing good all through the weeks and stuff. And um, so it was just really exciting. You know, Andrea rides that horse incredible, and Sue did an amazing job with her. And as a breeder, we're small breeders, but as a breeder, you just hope and pray that they get in the right hands and go on with them. So I couldn't have asked for a better story for that horse.
1: I love it. Um, well, let's go back to the beginning, I guess. Um, tell us a little bit about how you grew up, how you got into horses and, and barrel racing, and you know how, how you got into this industry. <laughs>
2: it's not a, your typical story, actually. Um, I'm the only one in my family that high school rodeoed. Um, we grew up on a farm and ranch here in North Dakota, and so we grew up on horses, but it was not for the rodeos like we grew up checking cows and riding fence lines and doing that kind of stuff um we uh when we would go to some youth rodeos just because we were members of a rodeo club close to our house so we did do like the youth rodeos but at that point my sisters and we didn't really know anything about it it was more basically we were the kids like we wanted to have the matching saddle pads the the pretty braids in our horse's hair kind of um that was the reason we were there. It wasn't because we were there to be competitive because we just didn't grow up in it. But I did have a cousin that actually was Miss Rodeo North Dakota and she was competitive through the high school ranks and stuff up here. And she gave us her old horse. He was like 19 at that time. And like my, but my sisters were getting a little too old for the youth rodeos and stuff. I actually got to run him and it gave me a little bit of a taste of the competition. And I loved it. It, did, it was just something that I really liked, so I started to get into it a little more. And um, we, uh, my dad, would let us high school rodeo for a while because I mean we were busy here. We helped at home, and um, with we used to raise registered Charley cattle. We showed cattle. Um, the the rodeo thing just it didn't seem feasible or like we had enough time for it, so it wasn't high on our priority list. Um, but I actually started then at these. The rodeo club stuff I started team roping with one of my high school classmates and I loved the team roping side of it and um his dad actually talked my dad into letting high school rodeo so we could go with these high school rodeos and rope together so to make me be able to have the best opportunity he let me go there with some people um in 48th North Dakota which is just south of us that they roped every every night pretty much and he gave me the opportunity and I went and I learned a lot from them and just one was an old racehorse trainer and he uh he saw that I was going just for the team ropings and his daughter had a whole old high school horse standing around and offered me to take her and um it just it was one of these things Kayla like it was it was obviously God's timing unfolding because in front of my very eyes because I didn't think it was something that I'd ever be involved in yeah and that horse actually ended up being incredible and I made national high school finals in the barrel racing and pole bending my sophomore year on, Wow, on her. So it was, it's just something that kind of came easy for me. And then my parents saw that and they gave me the best opportunity possible, sent me to some clinics. Um, one of those clinics that stands out to me actually, um, and this person, probably a lot of people don't know who she is, but people up here will was mary ketchum and she had made the montana finals a bunch in the amateur association and i believe in the circuit too but she was actually the one that kind of to this day i go back to a lot of her foundation and her drills and i guess i shouldn't really say drills but what she did and she taught and it's a very simple approach and very repetitive and um, it's hard, like even when I do clinics now, it's kind of hard to teach because kids get can get bored with it. But it's just the repeating it and doing it over and over again and staying consistent. So it was just one of those things like it just came easy for me and I had people putting me in the right spot at the right time. So when I was a senior in high school or actually I've been a junior, but dad came home from a sale and had these two colts one was a really pretty blood bay and then this black filly and he, they were weanlings at that time and he asked me which one I wanted because he had given my sisters each a horse over the years and I am a sucker for black horses and I wanted the filly so I picked her and that's where Rudy came about and so when I went to college in 2001 Rudy would have been two so I or back in 2000 no it would have been 2000. Oh my gosh I'm old I can't remember (laughs) the dates exactly but she was two when I went to college so I took her with I needed some slough off classes to get my credits up so I took a colt starting class and took her with me out there and started her myself it was she was the first colt that I ever broke on my own and um she was a handful but like she's always had that grit since I started getting on her, but she was a very smart horse, but very gritty. And um, she actually was such a handful. I sent her home. And we, Tito is not Rudy's first colt. Um, when she was four, she had a colt. We had some neighbors up here that actually had really nice show paints that they used. So her first colt, Kayla, was actually a, a paint horse. He's a huge black and white paint. And Dale Kling and his family up here in North Dakota have him I mean he's he's getting old now but he uh they picked up on him and team roped on him and a while back that was before I knew what Rudy was gonna be um otherwise I probably would have held on to him but he I did try to buy him back because when Isaac and I got together and stuff he likes to rope so I tried to buy him back but it didn't happen <laughs> so but that was her first colt and when I took her back to college with me to start her back on the barrels I had a whole different horse. So, Rudy had matured a bunch, and she was five years old, and when I took her back and started her on the pattern, it kind of went from there, and she was just, she got easy, she was super smart. Um,
1: that's amazing. Won- oh, go ahead. I said, that's amazing, just that she went back home, got bred to a paint, came back, and <laughs> right? it turned into a barrel horse.
2: Yeah, and even that colt ended up being, like, they loved him, and he was a nice horse and stuff, and um, he was huge, and Rudy's only 14, two hands tall, like, she's little, but she's built really thick, like, honestly, when I took her to the rodeos and I was pro rodeo on her, I had a lot of the calf ropers ask me, like, they're like, that's your barrel horse, and I said, yeah, you know, she's, she is just super fast, but she was just not as big as some of the barrel horses that were going, and didn't look quite as racy, you know? Um, yeah. But she was incredible, and uh, she just kind of came on. She won the very first jackpot I took her to. Uh, she went on, then, you know, I, I used to hit a lot of barrels on her at the beginning because she just was super quick in her turn, and my timing wasn't up to par. Like, I would had nice horses, but none of that caliber. Um, and I know you can verify for that. Like, it's different when you get on a horse to a – or a high school-level horse to a horse that is capable – of running with the best in the world and it just a little bit and kind of Rudy's story like I know I've shared it so many times Kayla but it she just it's pretty amazing because she was $800 as a weanling is what my dad paid for her and she came on you know she kind of had her own little story there she was a handful and then she won her very first jackpot she went to I amateur rodeoed on her for a couple years and she won the amateur associations. She, um, she I, I kept breakaway roping, too, because I actually really do love the roping. And she helped me get a couple all-around titles in our amateur association. Oh, wow. And just, I had a friend that talked me into getting my permit. Because up here, a lot of the pro girls go to those amateur rodeos as well. Yep. Because we have such a short season up here. Like, you only have um, a few months of the year where it's actually you can go to the outdoor rodeos and stuff. And so I had a friend talk me into getting my permit and I did and it went incredible. We made circuit finals our very first year. And it was the year that the associations were changing a little bit and you could not make circuit finals anymore with a permit. So I had to waste my, I, I wasted my rookie year cause I worked full time at a bank in North Dakota. And, um, it just, never crossed my mind how her journey was going to end like so I actually wasted my rookie year and bought my permit halfway through or my card halfway through because she filled my permit at North Platte at the very first rodeo I took her to when I ventured out of the circuit and um
1: and that's like end of June right so yeah there's really only a couple months left that year
2: yeah so it was just one of those things, like I kind of look back and wish I had done things a little different, but it was lack of knowledge on my end because I just, I had a goal to make survey finals and was going to stay close to home because I just never thought, like I've always wanted to make the NFR, you know, every little girl at barrel races, you dream of that and yeah. it seemed really out of touch, you know, and I just, I had to work because I was making my pickup payments and my trailer payments and my rent and, um, paying off my student loans and things, you know, I just had a lot of bills and stuff to life. And um, so I bought my card that year, and she went out and did incredible. And actually, um, and the following year, I stayed in the circuit, but she qualified me, she won so much, she ended up winning the circuit in 2009. And just by staying in our circuit, and just I ventured, I think to Denver was the only other one I went to she qualified for the big winter rodeos. And then that's when I met. So it's all like, it's just, it still is crazy to me because I looked up to Lisa Lockhart at that time and we got in touch with her and she invited me to go with her down south for those winter rodeos. But being somebody who had a full-time job, I didn't know how I was going to make that work, but I didn't want to pass it by. So the thought of selling Rudy had crossed my mind because I knew she was valuable and, um, I actually talked to my boss at the bank and these people were some of the most incredible people ever. They actually gave me you know, like a maternity leave to go for six weeks Oh wow. and I even got to split it up. So I got to go to Texas that year. I was very far from pregnant, but they gave <laughs> me maternity leave and uh, I ventured out and got to go and it better than I ever could have imagined. and. By the 4th of July, we were sitting 12th in the world, and um, that was kind of, this was in 2010, and it was, that was kind of my wake-up moment, like, I got the real deal, and I need to do something with it, so I actually let my job go, and they were very understanding and very supportive, and i had worked there for three years, and just it was a super tough decision because without Rudy's income, I didn't have any other income. So Mm -hmm. it was a tough and scary decision, but I was trying to step through the doors that God was laying in front of me and thankful I did. And then her story kind of goes on from there. She got ulcers really bad at the end of that year. And I ended up sending her home and um, we missed it that year. I want to say we finished 17th in 2010 and that was her first year going. And then the following year, she came out one San Antonio, um, one Cloverdale. Just had a great year. Did really good in Omaha that year and got us in. And we went to our first NFR. And then she kind of went on and um, just I, mean, I can't say enough about how tough this horse is. Like she had a couple soundness issues through these years. Obviously, she was the only horse that I ran. I had a couple other ones that I use that I did run that won a little bit here and there. But Rudy mainly did it on her own. And kept me top I wanna say top twenty two in the world from two thousand ten to two thousand fifteen on her own.
1: That's so, incredible. Like I knew she was incredible, but I didn't realize like quite the extent of what she had done.
2: Yeah, it's it's crazy. She uh she was just super tough. She could run inside outdoors. If it was muddy, she loved the mud. Um she uh Just like she would run on anything and big pens, little pens. Um, She loved Canada, those big wide open pens in Canada. She qualified us for the CFR three times. Um, She actually won the Canadian Horse of the Year in 2014, and she was the first American horse to do it. Um, So that was an honor for us. And then she had her most incredible year at the age of 14 in 2014. Oh, wow. she, yeah, she that was the year she had her best year. She went in sitting fifth in the world and won fourth on the average at the NFR that year. And we hit one barrel out there, and it was when the ground kind of was iffy out there, and she actually slipped and hit the second barrel. But otherwise, she went through the whole Canadian finals, the CFR and the NFR hitting one barrel in 16 runs in those tiny pens. And then our circuit finals, she did well at our circuit finals as well. Um, but she just, she finished fifth in the world that year. And um, I, like, I just, I can't even explain the heart that Mare had. And the, even to this day, you know, she's 22 right now. And I I know if I saddled her back up, she's as, as sound as she's been right now in a long time. And she would still go try to run it because she loved it. And that's a big part of what they need, I think. Yeah. Is that heart and the try. Um, cause that's like these jackpots and stuff when you haul them and just stay in the circuit, they're not like, they don't have to go as far in the trailer and it takes a really tough horse to be able to handle the road and that many rodeos and the different setups. And the just, it's, it's pretty incredible. Those horses that are out there making the NFR, they're, they're in a league of their own. They're a different breed. They, they love it. They have, they're tough. They have a lot of grit. Um, so it's been one of those things, Kayla, where like I couldn't have picked a better horse for myself. And she, in 2015, I think it was. She, uh, yep, it would have been 2015. She slipped in Calgary, and actually, for that was the first time in her career that I had an injury that I didn't know if she would ever run again. And I headed down to Littleton, Dr. Swanson, and we. She had had an impact like her hawk had, um, when she slipped, I I can't remember what was the term they used, but it had, it kind of jolted her hawk. So we had to have surgery on it and um, clean the cartilage. And they only gave her a 20% chance to come back. And by 2000, that was in July of 2015. And by the spring of 2016, she came back and actually, I wanna say she placed at Rapid City Stock Show and then we had we got asked to be a part of that ERA that yeah. was going on the Elite Rodeo Association deal. And it couldn't have happened on a better year for us because then I didn't have to haul her to a ton of rodeos to get to go on her again. And she ended up fifth in that and that I mean there was a lot of tough horses in it. And so in two thousand seventeen I took her a little bit and she um placed second at the Rapid City Stock Show that year at the age of 17 and then i was just going to kind of pick and choose where i took her that year because she was 17 already and she didn't really owe me a thing um but i loved running her and she loved it so i didn't want to take that from her either and i ran her at lubbock was her last run which of all the rodeos out there lubbock's a nice rodeo and all but i wish it wouldn't have been her last (laughs) run but she was playing in the pasture after that and actually did have a small tear in her deep digital flexor tendon um we got her all healed up and everything and i just decided that that was it so i um i've been on her since then i didn't even i haven't even rode her since then my nieces and nephews and stuff will sit on her while i lead her around and stuff but i haven't rode her since then because i just know her and she would do anything for me when it comes to riding her and going to the rodeos and stuff so it was just time to quit but that's kind of her story in a nutshell. There's lots of things about her, Kayla. Like she was a nervous horse before I ran and <clears throat> the only thing that would settle that mare down is if I got off and I stood next to her and scratched her belly. She It sounds crazy, but she did, and like all my close friends and stuff that were at the rodeos with me, they all knew that that's what she liked. So if I had to hand her off to somebody, they would all stand there and scratch her belly because she would just stand there and love it. But that was like the one unique thing about her that stands out as something that's kind of crazy that's only about her. I've never had another one since then that's that so has appreciated funny.
1: that. <laughs> that's hilarious. She just knew. She's like, all right, we're ready to go. Yeah. Um yeah. When your dad got her... Did he ever say, like, what drew him to these two weanlings? Because, I mean, she is an own daughter of Texas High Dasher. Um, yes. Which, you know, has, is obviously a, a proven line. Like, did he kind of knew he was going towards, like, the athlete side of things? Since you guys didn't... Yes, he did. Yeah. Um,
2: I, I guess, sorry, I didn't share that side of it. So, um, Texas High Dasher actually grew... He was... The people that owned him were in Glenall in North Dakota, um, Elmont, North Dakota, Gwinnola, North Dakota area. So we actually went up and seen him back when he was still alive. But he had a lot of colts. He's more of a northern, and, and he's getting more known down south now. But he was more well-known up here. So he's an own son of um, he, uh They raced him, I want to say, for a little while. But he was already getting old when I had seen him. But there was a lot of people up here running his colts. And they all have this... They all kind of, you can kind of tell which ones they are. Um, they're very turny and they use them a lot, though. Like they were used in a lot of different events, whether it be the, there was a lot of guys that rope on them. There's still some people up here that are roping on um, some of the older ones. And it's crazy because you'll still see some of the original ones. Um, Rudy has the big brand, but there's a big WR on their hip and it's. It's a huge brand, like you can't miss it. It was Leslie and Joanne Roth's brand. Um, so there's a few of them still going, but you'll see them in the team roping and um, the bulldogging and the barrel race. And, and I want to say uh, Mary Lou Bonagoski almost made the NFR on one. Um, there's been quite a few success stories up here in North Dakota with these horses. And they, they just have, a, they're really tough and gritty and they want to turn. So, um, when he went down to this sale, he, he had bought two of them and, you know, I don't know what made him pick those two. Um, but he did. And when he came home, it was an easy choice for me. And honestly, thank God I chose her because the other one ended up, we, he wasn't as near as near as a nice horse. (laughs) And we ended up selling him a few years later, but, uh, um, I can't tell you exactly why he picked those two, but the Texas High-Dasher Bloodline, it was very, it's very popular up here and well-known. Um,
1: so he kind
2: of went – oh, go
1: ahead. He, he had a little bit of an idea of what he was going for, but, you know, then it was just yes. luck and the right thing at the right time to come across the little black filly.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I think he went to the sale knowing, like, he, had, he picked a few out in the catalog that he wanted to go see. And I'm, I'm sure he probably walked around and went and looked because I wasn't with him that day. So he went around, I'm sure, and looked at them and made sure that they were correct, like didn't have a leg sticking out to the side or yeah. anything like that. And um, and then when they came in, I guess she the price was right. So that's how he ended up purchasing them, too. And then, um, yeah, okay. that was the day Rudy came back to our place. So...
1: I love it. And tell us, so you you made the finals twice on her, um, and you know, the Canadian finals. Tell us about your trips to the finals, because um, we've talked about it on the podcast before with different girls that have gone, but... I just don't even think that, you know, most people, unless, like, you're back there and you hear it and you see the chaos behind it. Like, it's not just running barrels for 10 days. Like, there is so much to it. So, tell us about your trips and, like, did anything change between how you handled your first finals to your second finals to do so well like you did year number two?
2: Oh, my gosh. I changed so much stuff, Kayla. It was, you know, your first year, you get to go you just are almost overwhelmed, like it doesn't set in until you're pulling in. Well, Isaac, actually, him and I were headed down there and um, earlier, and then my parents and everybody flew in later. But on the way down, <coughs> we were driving through Colorado. We actually stayed with my friend Sammy Bessert on the way for one night. And um, when we were on the way, Rudy's front window, the drop-down window, fell down. And we were going through the mountains and it was really cold. So I was kind of panicked because that air was blowing in there on her. And for who knows how long um, that latch had dropped down. Oh, no. But um, it had me a little nervous because it was cold outside. We were going through the mountains there and stuff. And um, But when we got to Vegas, when, as we were pulling into Vegas, actually, Isaac starts playing Viva Las Vegas on the phone. And um, it it was such a crazy feeling seeing the big lights and the town. And like we um, luckily I was good friends with Lisa. So she got me set up with a place to stay out there. Cause one thing about Rudy is she didn't stall very good. So I figured this out with her early on and I would drive places. Sometimes I would drive like an hour or two out of the way to stay at a fairground where she's in a bigger pen and always see her buddy. Um, and we- horse and just didn't she would stress out if she was in a small area and um so i was lucky to have a place off of the tom of the mac area to keep her yeah but when we got there i had her looked at and stuff and she was everything seemed fine she didn't have a camp nothing like that so everything was fine but it was one of those things like it was complete i'm so lucky that me was there for me because the different places you have to go just for check-in, the days of practice, the gate, to which gate you have to come through with your horses if you're competing, um, uh, the different times of the meetings and which ones were mandatory, the mandatory autograph signings, the signings for all the sponsors. Like, it's just chaos, like trying to figure out where you have to be and then coming in for the grand entry where everybody comes in, like you have grand entry rehearsal, which that is if any any of the contestants can verify this, like it is chaotic back there the the day of grand entry rehearsal. Like there's so many contestants on their horses getting ready to run in there. And you can imagine the adrenaline in every person that's there because they're at the the NFR. So it's exciting and it's the beginning and everybody's in a great mood. (laughs) You start going in there and coming down that alley, um, like I said, Rudy's already a nervous horse, and right before the barrel racing, they have the big wagons in there, the big chuck wagon team, Yep. and it's like the one where they, they always give like an award or like announce the rookie winners and stuff, but that big wagon comes right back down that alley that the barrel horses run out of, which is right alongside the holding pen, like the holding alley. Yep. And you have to be in there. They're very strict about it. You have to be in order and you have to be in there. So it's not like you can stay out until those wagons leave. They want you in there because they got to have it on. It's all time with TV time. So you'll get yelled at if you're not in that holding pen, which is a whole nother monster to conquer for some of those barrel horses. Because... I know a lot of the other girls are like me i don't ever take my horse up until up to the arena until it's their turn to run because i don't feel it's necessary for the extra anxiety yep so i always kind of hang back until it's getting close to my turn and then i like to walk them up so they're staying in forward motion but um in that situation you can't and um bless isaac's heart like that poor guy he uh he actually got smoked in the face by Rudy one (laughs) night she her name came Kayla from her when she was little she's done it ever like since she was a baby um she roots her nose really bad and when she like even when I'm leading her she's nervous she'll kind of stick her nose out and like root her nose and that is how Rudy got her name oh that's like, funny it's not like Rudy like r-u-d-y or anything <laughs> um but she kind of went out with root her nose and she actually lifted think off the ground one night when it was my turn to go because she went to turn back and stuck her nose out there and kind of picked him up and and it was it wasn't going good for me i was hitting so many barrels and stuff but as like it was so horrible for me to say but it was kind of like a little bit of a stress relief relief for me because when we got in the pickup his phone actually was blowing up with all his buddies laughing and teasing him so it was something funny that actually had happened um compared to because I was hitting so many barrels in there. And I do think that my first year there, Rudy was not 100%. I don't think she um, was feeling great because I think just a few things. I do think that the air blowing in, like, I think there was some things working against her, and Mm -hmm. she was already a really turning horse. I just couldn't get my timing right. Um, She placed in one go-round, and then I think I hit a barrel probably seven of the ten go-rounds. And it was never the same barrel. So it wasn't like I had an issue to go in in the morning and fix, it was always a different one. And I was trying different things and just, I wanna say it was after go round five and I had hit so many barrels that I came out and was crying in my trailer. and like, I don't wanna go in there. And I had a reality check and Isaac was like, if anyone heard you say this? like you're at the NFR, if anyone heard you say you don't wanna run back in there, you'd be like the most hated person ever. And I'm like, you know, It was a reality check for me. I needed to be thankful for being there, regardless of how it was going. But it's hard when you're running for that much money and in front of that many people. And you want to do good so bad and showcase your horse and what it took to get there. But now when I watch the finals and I see somebody... Oh, go
1: ahead. I was just going to say, when it's not going good, it's a really long week. Like... I right, I was there with a friend one year, you know, just helping her, but I wasn't even competing. And I was like, I was there for eight of the 10 days. And I'm like, this is the longest week of my life. <laughs> like, it's hard. Yes, and if it's it not is. going good at the autograph signings, people are giving you, you know, insight on what they think you should do. And it's just like, I know, please stop. <laughs> yes. And that's
2: the thing. Like, and it did happen that year. Like... When I see people having a bad week, I feel terrible for them because I've been there. And just so the whole world knows, that week, the Thomas and Mack Center for any event is a tough setup. Like, it is small. You can't see that first barrel till you get in there. And it does not define any of those horses that made it. They're all amazing. Um, It's just, if you get off on the wrong foot in that setup, and then there'll be other people that'll get in there and they get their groove going right away and they have a great finals and it's just kind of one of those things it doesn't make one horse better or one person better than the other it's just more than likely their setup yeah i thought it was going to be i like went out there because rudy just done good in omaha i'm like oh this is going to be our deal and you know when cheyenne should have been her deal but it just wasn't like there was something about it that was off and it makes those 10 days so long and i was gonna say you know at the beginning everybody's so excited to be there and it's not that they're not excited by round seven or eight when it's not going as planned. It's just, it's more of a disappointment because you work so hard to get there, and it's expensive going all year and to keep things going. And that's an opportunity, like that's a big opportunity to make a lot of money. So if it's, it's, it's not going right, it's it's a long ten days. Um, but like looking back on it now instead of I'm like, you know, I wouldn't have changed it much. Um, I enjoyed it met a ton of people another thing that year, Kayla that um I didn't do the second time I went back was I had my friend Katie Handy actually run my social media the second time because and I stayed off of Facebook because what you touched on a very big point on and people that do this that are listening I hope you don't ever do it again because I'm I like taking constructive criticism and love hearing people's advice but when you have people messaging you that have never been on your horse or don't personally know you I was getting advice and stuff thrown thrown at me from people I had never even known saying you should try this bit, you should try this try looking here and you know I've been the only one on her and I'm not saying that I shouldn't take any advice but like it can get overwhelming out there and then it makes made me second guess what I was doing. Like I almost did do a bit change and I then I changed my mind. I'm like, you know, you can't, but like you just get in this mental game when you're out there. And, and that was one thing in 2011 that I did kind of let it get to me because I wanted to do so bad and then people are telling me what to do and what to try. And, and I just kind of had my own little mental block and it was I'm going to say by the end of it, it probably wasn't Rudy. It was probably more me than her. So um, that was a big thing. And so in 2014, I didn't even go on my social media. I had my friend Katie. um, She would post my sponsor stuff, and she did an awesome job and just asked for pictures, and we'd send her some pictures. And I stayed focused on my horse. I set my autograph signing up more, like, better scheduling, I guess I would say, Mm -hmm. to where I got to spend more time with my horse because I felt like I was getting pulled away from Rudy a lot in 2011 I felt like I didn't get to spend the time that I normally did with her so in 2014 I spent a lot more time with her um she had matured into the rodeo scene a lot more by then too and just was having a great year she was sound she was healthy um running really consistent and I went in really confident on her and just those were a couple things that I did different in 2014 and it was a lot easier. I didn't have kind of the shell shock of being in there for the first time. And um, it just, my game plan was totally different. I knew I had to be in that alleyway on the side. So I, instead of being on her the whole time, <laughs> I actually walked next to her with Isaac and I would scratch her belly until I had to get on her. And then Isaac had to hold her for me to get on her when we were halfway down the alley because it was a little bit nerve wracking, but but she just handled the whole situation better. I had an idea of where I needed to be and what I needed to do. And, um, it just went way better than the first trip. So
0: Sometimes less is more like when your horse needs additional calories to help maintain his weight or energy for performance. Feeding more grain isn't always the answer. Adding a fat source to your horse's diet provides more calories than equal amounts of grain. Weight Builder Equine Weight Supplement adds easily digested calories and performance level energy to help horses reach their ideal weight and performance demands without the risk of digestive upset associated with feeding extra grain. Formulated with 50% fat for a concentrated source of calories to help maintain optimal weight and body condition, one daily scoop of Weight Builder Equine Weight Supplement provides high fat calorie rich in omega-3 acids from flaxseed meal and stabilized rice bran to promote a healthy skin and glossy coat and deliver a calming energy for performance. Added calcium helps maintain the calcium-phosphorus ratio for growing horses, plus no sugar added for horses with special dietary needs. Help keep your horse in optimal condition with Weight Builder Equine Weight Supplement. This palatable, easy-to-feed powder mixes easily with your horse's regular grain ration and is ideal for performance horses, mature horses, underweight horses, and seniors. Visit Farnham.com to view all of their products. That's F-A-R nam.com. That's
1: that's why I wanted to ask. Um, just because I mean, it and anybody could kind of put that if you know they have a difficult pen, they barrel race in or circuit finals pens. Like it's hard because unless you kind of go you don't know and then you just hope you get back to be able to you know do better and clearly you and Rudy did the second time like you you had it figured out but I've seen messages that people will send like obviously the best in the world and it's like why why do you think that you should do this <laughs> they are there we are yeah, not we should probably just watch them and and you
2: know Kayla I think most people do it with a good heart and good yeah. attention but most people but I just it's something you don't do to somebody when that's a high stress situation and um, everybody's doing their best and they've obviously had a great year and know what they're doing to get there. So um, I do think people mean good by it, but it just, on the receiving end, sometimes it's not, it doesn't turn out how they, they see it, you know?
1: So Exactly. um, After she retired, what did your barrel racing look like? Did you have other cults at that point, or were you kind of starting over? Did you start breeding her right away? What did you do when she retired?
2: So we started breeding her a little bit before I retired her. So Keto is seven this year. Okay. So that would have put her, what, 14, actually, mm-hmm. maybe it was the year she made, is that right? My math
1: is bad. Um, Uh, don't, uh, don't, yeah, my math is not great either, but yeah, breeding in 14, born in 15, she's seven this year, so. 15, 15. Okay. Yeah. So she, um,
2: I just was scared to do it and start flushing embryos because I didn't want to change how she was running and I had heard most people say, you know, it won't affect them and a lot of people do it all the time, but it was one of those things that was new to me. I didn't ever flush embryos on a horse or anything like that, so I didn't, um, I want to start too soon. But now looking back, I kind of wish I would have because there's not a ton of them out there. Yeah. There's a few, but there's not a ton. And um, and I love running them. So when I retired, Rudy, she still, Kayla, that horse still comes to North Dakota with me in summer and comes south with me in the winter. She As long as she can make the trip, she's going to go with. And she comes, she gets to go to her pasture during the day, comes up every night. Um, she is uh, <laughs> still very pampered um, and always will be but she will never leave me. Like, honestly, I've left her a couple of the breeding centers and it was really eating at me. So now she stays close to home and I actually don't ever leave her unless I have to. Um, But she still goes everywhere with me. And then, um, but when I retired her, I had really good people because it was one of those things I always got asked what I was going to do when Rudy was done. And I've had nice horses. I've had really nice horses of my own and stuff. But, um, and then I've had... Really good people send me horses to run and stuff, but it's just one of those things where to rodeo professionally and make an actual living at it, um, you can't beat down the road with horse that might place once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to be pretty special, and it takes a special horse to do that. It, I mean, if you're paying everything on your own and stuff, I mean, you have to be realistic and fuel is high, you know, pick up breakdowns vet bills, feed bills, um, just entry fees. So it just didn't make sense for me. So I kind of slowed down. I still went to the pro rodeos, um, just kind of stayed closer to home. Um, I had horses along the way. I had people send me horses and place along and stuff. Um, it just, it's one of those things where you just keep, we do it cause we love it and you keep with the grind and you keep trying to make another one. And for some people it doesn't even happen with one. So I'm very grateful that I at least had one. And I right now at this point in my career, I honestly feel like I might, I might have something coming on right now that, that might be the next one. So it was just like, I started a lot of Colts. I've had a few nice one 2d horses over the years, but, um, I've sold them because I've either sold them or they've gotten hurt. So, um, it's just one of those things Like I'm still on the grind trying to get my next one, and I'm going to keep working hard. I had some outside horses come in. I did have a really nice outside horse a couple of years ago that, that I do think is NFR caliber that um, he did. He placed at a bunch of the big rodeos and stuff, but he wasn't mine, and he was for sale, so he went to his new home, and it's just, you know, we do it because we love it, and sometimes there's great disappointment with great victory and now the smaller victories are a little bit of a bigger deal to me um I'm trying to think of the right way to put this you know I uh, I'm actually running my first two Rudy babies this year and there's so some things about them that is so much like her it's crazy um and it's exciting for me they've both been doing very well um so one has won almost 30,000 now and the other one it's been placing right along in the Wendy and getting close to 10 so it's just one of these things I'm gonna keep going Kayla and I'm gonna keep trying and I really do think I have something right now so I'm gonna see where it takes me but That's- you get it as well as I do um we I got a family now so things are just a little bit different
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you aren't listening to this episode on the Patreon app, check out The Money Barrel at patreon.com today. For just $5 a month, the cost of a single exhibition, you can gain immediate access to extended episodes with many of our Season 2 guests and bonus episodes with returning guests. Big thank you to Brittany for spending some time with us and reliving this awesome story. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Farnham, the makers of Weight Builder Equine Weight Supplement. If you have a horse that's difficult to maintain adequate weight, for a desired body condition, consider a high-quality fat supplement to provide extra calories without the risk of digestive upset. Visit Farnum.com to learn more. All right, everyone, run fast, be safe, and we'll see you soon.